Great folks back in the sound room, if you would please put up this morning's PowerPoint page again to remind everybody, thank you very much, remind everybody of where we were together from this amazing little book. At the first service this morning, I mentioned that in First Peter, the great, uh, enthusiastic, emotional apostle Peter, he mentions the word suffer, suffering, a form of that word over 20 times in this short little book. Second Peter doesn't mention it one time, which means that somehow, some way, they survived the storm that they were enduring or that was coming on the horizon, and they made it. One of the ways they made it, no doubt about this, is that they embraced the teaching the encouragement that they received from 1 Peter chapter 3, especially verse 8 and following, especially because that, that's like a manual for surviving whatever the devil throws at us. It, it's, a, it's a guide to how we relate to each other. See, if we're having issues with each other, it just saps us of our strength. We just don't have the get up and go, spiritually speaking, we don't have the, the, the determination, maybe, to focus on the enemy. And by the way, in 1 Peter, he talks about who the enemy is. He says in 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant for your adversary. And he doesn't mention the name of a brother and sister in Christ. He says, your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And, and he wants that to be the focus of their if they're going to have any wrath, if they're going to have any animosity, Peter wants it to be towards who the real enemy is, who the real threat is to them. And if we can marshal our resources in the direction of overcoming him and empowering and blessing and encouraging those around us, obviously we're going to be much more effective at not just weathering the storm, but overcoming and actually maybe even getting better through the challenges, through the onslaughts of this life that come our way. So the book of 1 Peter, rediscover this. Maybe even do this. Read it tonight before you go to bed. It won't take you long at all. And, and just do, do what I have recently done with this book. I've just gone through with a pen and, and, and circled several verses and, and put a little asterisk besides other verses that just kind of jump off the page at me, verses that kind of step on my toes, some of them, verses that, that inspire me, verses that, that give me great encouragement, and you'll find so much of that. I mean, if somebody's about to endure great suffering like the first readers of this book, they're going to need something, a, a message from God to say, you're going to make it. You're going to be all right. You're going to come out of this okay, maybe even better than okay. And so if this kind of message would encourage them and the awful things they're facing, you think how much more it will encourage us because we face minimal opposition compared to what, and yet we're getting what they got, and in some ways a whole lot more because we know the rest of the story, don't we? 
We know that they survived this. We know that we can survive this also. So this is 1 Peter 3, beginning verse 8. The key to sticking together, the key to getting close to God, closer to one another. Finally, all of you. Hey, we could plug our name in there. Finally, Jeff Abrams, do this. Be of one mind. And remember, that mind is the mind of Christ. Having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tender-hearted. Be courteous. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you're called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and, let, and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue or chase it with great enthusiasm. So as we notice this morning, we're to be united. This text tells us how we're to be compassionate. We are to be loving as a family ought to be. We are to be tender hearted. We are to be courteous, which is another way of saying just be polite. Be nice to people. And then I see a number six on my list that we are to be better to others than others are to us. Sometimes you might, we don't use this phrase too much anymore, you might get blessed out by somebody. We tried to be a blessing. We tried to bless, not be a blister. We try to, to um, help people that really aren't lining up to help us. People that are disappointed in us, angry with us, hostile towards us. Understand this, it's not about us in most cases, it's not about you. They've had a bad night. They've had a bad day. They've had a bad week. They have a bad life. They got their own issues to deal with. You remember the second command? We're to love our neighbors, we love ourselves. We don't love ourselves then we're probably less likely to be loving other people, to be kind to other people, to be polite to other people. To re we can't respect others till we first respect ourselves. And so these people need a break. <laughs> they, they need us to be better to them than they would be towards us. Do, do you see how he put it there? Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling. On the contrary, blessing. All right, here's our assignment. This will be unpleasant for just a moment. Maybe, hope not, but maybe it will be. Think about the last time somebody insulted you. And for some of you, maybe it's never happened. I mean, maybe you've just lived in this perfect little life in this, this glass uh, vase kind of protecting you from the bad things. And, but most of us, we don't live there. We live over here. And sometimes people write something insulting. They say, we can even get an insulting look, <laughs> look, whatever, disappointment, whatever. Remember that last time. How did we respond to that? Maybe we have yet to respond to that, which that can be a good thing. But let's do this. Let's do what, what the text directs us to do. Let's, 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 Let's be kind to that person who was unkind to us. Let's revisit them and let's let them know 
that, that we love them. Our love, our kindness is not conditioned on them being loving and them being kind to us. In this letter, Peter also writes that they and we are to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Whose feet did he wash? Who did he die for? The grateful, the deserving, the, 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 those that were loving towards him? No, no, no. It, and what, what, does, what did Paul say to the church at Rome? While we were yet sinners, God commended his love for us. And, and what? His son, Jesus, died for us. It, it was while we were still in the far country, still in the pig pen with the, with the prodigal son. He, he didn't put us on probation and so say, you've got to earn me coming and dying for you. You've got to earn me giving my son for you. And so we're to follow that kind of... We, we noticed at the beginning of the lesson this morning that our mind ought to be the mind of Jesus. Jesus did not wait on people to be nice to him before he chose to be nice to them or to us. Right? So... We want to be nicer to people than people would ever dare to be towards us. And perhaps by us being nice to them, it will prompt them to be nice to us. It will prompt them to take a more godly path. Because we know they're in trouble with God. So the last thing they need from us is, is trouble. So let's be smiling. Let's be above the fray. Let's, let's take the path that Christ took and that he would expect us to, to live on these days. And then I notice from this text, to be closer to God, to be closer to each other, we also need to be in control, obviously with the help of Christ, of what we say. Which is no way of saying that we need to be in control of our thoughts. Remember, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So um, a bad way of talking is born from a bad way of thinking. Right? So we'll work on our thinking, and ultimately we'll have much better talking, much better communicating with people. But we do recognize here that, that nothing causes more hurt feelings, more harm to the body of Christ than, than, than words. words. Words can be bombs or they can be bouquets, they can be tricks, they can be treats, they can be the best of things, they can be the worst of things. You're sitting here right now, you're, you're very uh, easy, easily able to, to recall times when you've said something that you really wish you didn't say, but it's out there and the damage is done and you can't put that toothpaste back in the tube. And we've all been on the other side of it. We've been on the giving side of the bad stuff. We've been on the receiving side of the bad stuff. And we understand that, that the tongue, as James says, it's our weakest member. And it takes a lot of help from God to control our tongue. But that's what Peter is directing them and us to do. He who would see good, see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. So let, let's think about that in, in connection with, with, with Matthew 7, 12. We talked about this in previous lessons and, and we, we're going to be talking about it more because uh, aren't we pretty well convinced that the number one sin that most good people commit are sins of speech? Wouldn't you, isn't that fair to say? If it's not number one on the list, it can certainly see number one on the list from where it is. Okay? It's almost one of these respectable sins where we can, we can say bad things about people sometimes, maybe even bad things to people. So, you know, it's just... So let's think about Matthew seven twelve. 
Matthew 7, 12, this is from Jesus, says, Therefore, whatever you would that men should do to you, do even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. We, we commonly call that the golden rule. We commonly paraphrase that to say, do unto others the way you want others to do unto you. So let's apply that to what Peter's saying about speech. Let's apply that to our talk. Here's the way we're wired. We don't like it when people say bad things to us. We don't like it when people say bad things about us. Now, if you're a brawler, you really don't care that much. You're ready to mix it up, and you're okay. But most of us are not brawlers. Most of us don't want to hear that social sewage. And so we don't want that coming in our direction. If we're going to practice Matthew 7, 12, and what Peter said, refrain our tongues from evil, then we're not going to be saying bad things to people. We're not going to be saying bad things about But it's the truth. Come on. That's a cop-out from somebody who wants to say something bad, isn't it? It's not gossip, it's the truth. Show me that verse. We don't want people saying bad things about us, even if it's true. And so the golden rule compels us to only say good things about people. If we can't, if we can't come up with something good to say, why can't we revert to what mama taught us? Then don't say anything at all about them. But there, there's almost always something good to say about anybody, isn't there? Everybody's made by God, loved by God. That's two good things right there. Everybody's been died for by Jesus on the cross. That's three things. There's lots of good to say about people if that's our heart, the way we want to say good things about people. So we're, we're thinking now how we're going to do unto others is what others do unto us in relation to our speech. We're going to work on this, right, uh, of not saying bad things about people. Um, and if, if, if we'll do this, you know, for, for a few hours, if we'll do this from now until 24 hours from now, about 5 till 6 tomorrow night, just think about how much better our life will be. Think about how, how that will contribute to our unity. If we're not saying bad things about anybody, we're not listening to bad things about anybody, it may mean that we're spending less time on the telephone. Our favorite gossip buddy calls us, I can't talk. Call me back at 5 to 6 tomorrow night, we'll talk. It may mean I have to go to bed early tonight. And by the way, this, this applies to posting too. We will not explode if we go 24 hours only posting positive things. Okay? And it might make our Facebook page that many of us use to the glory of God, I hope, it'll make it a, a, a better platform from which to draw people to Jesus Christ. Um, and here's something that'll help us too. To, to practice the, the, the principle of, of replacement, where it's not just, in, in previous lesson, I think I've, I've erred on this a little bit. I haven't been as positive as I could have been. But let, let's not just be content. So, okay, I'm going to go 24 hours. I'm not going to say anything bad about anybody. I'm just not going to do it. And neither am I going to listen to anybody else say bad things about me. I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to change the subject, going to be more positive. But let's do this. Let's not just be content to not say bad things. Let's find good things to say about people. Why? Because, again, in Matthew 7, 12, 
do unto others what we want others to do unto us. Don't we like it when people say good things about us? Also true or not true, you know. That's okay. If it's good about us and not true, we can live with that. And because we, we like it when people say good things about us, why wouldn't others like it when we say good things about them? It is so remarkable, the, the power of a, of a compliment, the power of praise. And by the way, this is not so much about praising people as it is praising the one that made people. Oh, she'll get aggravated, but I love her, and it's okay, because it's just good. Uh, Janie Simpson, she'll call me from time to time. What are you doing? Where are you? And, you know, I'll answer, and she'll say, well, I've made you, I've made you a sweet potato casserole, and, uh, you know, I'm on my way then, because it's pretty good. Or I, I've made you, you know, fudge. With nuts, by the way. If you guys are making fudge without nuts, you know, you step up your game. Uh, but anyhow, and I'll go and I'll spend time with Janie and I'll eat the sweet potatoes or the fudge or something like that. And I'll tell her, and this is true, I'll tell her, I'll say, Janie, this is so delicious. This is so sweet of you to do this. I'm, I'm praising the dish she's made, but who am I praising? I'm praising the maker of the dish. I'm a big fan of Janie Simpson, not just because she, but it doesn't hurt. <laughs> when we praise people, we're praising the one who made the people. We're praying, God did good work with you. What's the psalmist say? That we're fearfully and wonderfully made. By whom? The Father, the designer of us. So when you're praising that neighbor or your child or your teacher or you're praising the one that made them, why would we be reluctant to praise people? Oh, to go to their head and that's the only reason they'll do good. Come on. We can't think less of people. Let's think more of people. What's that saying? You can't live by bread alone. He's buttering up. And I don't mean false flattery praise. That's wrong. Read Proverbs. talks all about that. But, but there's so much good in the people that God has put into our lives. We need to look for that. We need to highlight that. We need to verbalize that. I was, <laughs> I was in the gym a few days ago, and I'm almost going to violate what I'm asking all of us from the Scriptures to do about being positive, but bear with me. I'll, I'll save myself at the end of this. There's this old guy in there. I'd never seen him before. And honestly, he looked like with every step, it was going to be the last one. He's going to fall over dead. It was not Jeff Peak. I've seen Jeff Peak in there many times. Jeff's looking good. You see, I'm practicing positive reinforcement. But um, this old guy, he just looks like he's falling completely apart. Had no business being in there. And to be there, you've got to have a doctor sign a note, give it to these people and say, you're healthy enough. So this guy got a doctor to do that for him. And he just looks horrible. Okay. And that's what I'm thinking. I'm walking around looking, looking at this guy. Another guy comes in who looks marginally better than that guy. And he walks over to him. Apparently they're old buddies from years gone by. And this guy who comes in sees the guy who's breaking down over there. And he is so 
happy to see him. He's so complimentary. And I'll just throw out a name. He says, hey, Joe, you're looking so good. You're doing wonderful. And Joe now, I'm thinking, who is Joe? Because I'm not seeing Joe. I'm seeing another guy who's falling apart. When Joe heard those words, it's like magic happened. Because Joe, it's like he, man, he kind of stood up straighter. He perked up. And, and, and then, you know, I started to gain a greater appreciation for Joe because I'm seeing him through the lens of his buddy. And his buddy says, Joe's looking good. And Joe is hearing that praise, and it's, it's making a difference. We have that opportunity every day to boost somebody. People are going through, pardon my English, people are going through Hades. A lot of them. They're getting bad news from doctors. They're getting bad news from their stockbroker. They're getting bad news from some coworker. They're getting bad news from the boss who's got to cut back. They're getting bad news from their, their kid's teacher. They're getting bad news from you know, parents kind of acting goofy in the other room and, and acting like the marriage isn't what it needs to be. I mean, there's a lot of bad going on out there. And we can't repair all of that. But what we can do is help people that are in the midst of those storms. And it's such a simple, it's not a complete fix, but it is part of a fix to that. It's by our demeanor, our kindness, our just saying, hey, you're looking good. Have I told you lately how much I appreciate you? That, that you can't measure the, the, the impact that has on people. We think about, we hear the, from these experts, and they say it takes 50 positives to, to cancel out one negative. Hey, with some people, it takes 5,000 positives, and it still doesn't quite get it done, right? Some of you have heard this before, probably, but my first effort to preach was at Cottage Hill Church of Christ 100 years ago. I was maybe 11. No surprise, preached about church attendance, right? And that was pretty interesting. And one of the other young guys in the church, he preached with me. He preached about 10, 15. I preached about 10 or 15. After the end, Waldrop Johnson, great preacher, great mentor to me. He's now in eternity. He, he, he baptized my dad, preached my daddy's funeral. I preached Brother Johnson's funeral later. I mean, just, uh, you know, a lot of symmetry, full circle, love the man. And, and so after, after my buddy and I preached, Brother Johnson got up and he said, he said, didn't these fellows do a great job? And we really appreciate them, their courage and standing up and preaching to us. And as I was listening to their sermon, I only noticed, you know, a couple times that they, they got a little mixed up on the scriptures. But they did a good job. You know, I'm, you know what I heard? Y'all know what I, I'm still remembering that to this day. What scriptures did I get messed up on? We got a way of remembering the negative. First time I came and stood here and preached, it's been a long time ago. It wasn't the first sermon as preacher here. I was guest speaking one time, and I took the position that uh, Peter, when he denied Jesus, that he was, uh, he was lost at that point. When he said, I blankly blank don't know the man, if he dies then, he's in trouble. And I made that point during the lesson, kind of based on Jesus saying, Matthew 10, 32 and 33, if we'll confess him before men, he'll confess us before the Father. If we deny him before men, he'll deny us before the Father. And one, one, one person who's no longer part of the scene, the landscape here, didn't know me. 
So many of you that were here, that, so gracious, so kind, so complimentary, really. Didn't deserve it, but I really appreciated it. And that one person walked by and took great umbrage to my point about Peter being in trouble that day because he denied Jesus. That was wrong. And this person was loud. This person was, you know, really concerned about what I had said and, and did, did, maybe didn't pick the best way to express it or the place to express it. I left that night. A thousand people could have said, good job, love that lesson. What am I still even tonight thinking about? And don't be whispering who, who that was, okay? Don't, that's not your job tonight. But we're just kind of sometimes wired that way, aren't we? That, you know, we remember what the mother-in-law said years ago. We remember what that coach said. We remember what dad said that day we disappointed him. We remember what the spouse said. We remember what... We remember those things. And what I'm trying to encourage myself and all of us to do, let's be careful about those words that come out of our mouths that could be that comment that, that someone hangs on to that, that, that causes them to think less of themselves than they ought to be thinking. Um, we have one chance to, 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 to make a first impression. Let's make sure that we get that right. But then after that, we have other opportunities to continue to be a blessing to people with our, with our words. And I really hope we don't let opportunities to encourage others pass us by. Um, in our culture, not to blame our culture because we still make our own decisions, in our culture, negative thinking, negative speaking is elevated. It is... It is celebrated, you know. You got to you got to pick people apart. You got to pick speeches apart. You got to pick songs apart. You got to pick, you know. It's just whatever. You got to pick it apart, and it's easy for us to just kind of throw in and be like that. But but what did what did what did Peter say? Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him. Turn away from evil and do good. We're replacing the bad with those things that are, are good. So for the next you know, 24 hours or so, let's re-triple our efforts to refrain from anything bad, but to replace the bad with good. And then we're going to enjoy that 24 hours. Aren't we going to want to do that again? And a lot of you are already doing this. It's just your spiritual DNA. You're already wired in that direction. But... Maybe there's some of us, we just came, our family tradition, we just like to tear people apart. Mama did it, daddy did it, grandma did it, grandpa did it, and I'm kind of obligated. If I'm in the family, I got to do it too. It's kind of like addiction, really. You know, we come from a long line of alcohol abusers. We're not obligated to continue that in our family. We come from a long line of, 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 of laziness. We're not obligated to be lazy. We come from a long line of whatever. Gossipers, we're not obligated to continue that. We can be that person in our family who says, we're not going to do this any longer. From now on, our lunches, we'll talk good things or we just won't talk. Our, our rides to and from worship going to be pleasant as we have good, godly discourse among ourselves. We all can do this. I'm, maybe we already are all doing this, but that is the admonition 
from Peter. He, he, uh, listen to some of the things he says in like verse 8 of 1 Peter 4. And above all these things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Love doesn't discuss the sin, it covers the sin. And then verse 9 there says, be hospitable to one another, get this, without grumbling. <laughs> I love going to Chick-fil-A. The food is pretty good. Now, do they ask you when you go through the drive-thru what your name is for your order? They don't ask me anymore. They know. They know. That's Jeff. It's my pleasure. Can I get some lemon in the water? My pleasure. You know, we ought to be so friendly that the Chick-fil-A people look at us and say, we got to try harder. <laughs> That's, that's what Peter's saying. Be hospitable. Be nice. I was thinking about that great positive comment that fellow made in the gym to his buddy, you're looking good and all that. How much did that cost him to make that comment? That was free. But it was so valuable to the recipient of it. And then you notice also we're to be turning from evil. As we turn from evil, we're turning towards good. We're turning towards God. And then last of all, we're, we're taught here to... Seek peace and pursue it. That word seek, that word pursue, think about that. Think about what that means to us. What, what's, what's the last thing you can recall seeking? What's the last thing you can recall pursuing? It, it, th those words bring with them the idea of an unrelenting chase. It means there's something over there that I so prize that I will overcome obstacles to obtain it. I will not be dissuaded. I will not be deterred from getting to that. He's saying peace is, is that kind of prize. It is, it is worth the effort. It is worth the trouble. Sometimes when there are issues between us and us, Somebody gets to go first in, in mending that situation, in, in building or rebuilding that bridge. The scriptures, it seemed to me, they're always telling me, Jeff, that's you. You can't just wait over here on so-and-so to come back and, and try to work things out because that person's over there thinking, well, Jeff ought to come to me. If he really loves me and wants to have a good relationship, he ought to come to me. And there's some right in that in there. That, that I need to seek it. I need to prove it. I don't need to sit over here and wait on it to come to me. I mentioned this morning, didn't I? Isaiah 9, 6, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. What did he do? He came here to bring peace to us. He didn't stay in his comfort zone, heaven with the Father, waiting on peace to descend on planet Earth and do away with all hostility. He signed up for the job. He came here so we could be reconciled to the Father. And then he has given us this ministry of reconciliation. Peace, unity can be lots of trouble. It, it, it can take lots of effort. There are some things in life that are worth that kind of effort, worth that kind of trouble. Peace, unity that glorifies God. It is one of those things. Again, I remind you, it was the prayer of Christ just before he goes to Calvary. How important was that? Your last 24 hours, what's going to be on your mind? You're going to be thinking about family. You're going to be thinking about God. You're going to be thinking about 
people that you cherish. You're going to be thinking about what's most important. Same with Jesus. He's got just a few hours before horrible men are going to do horrible things to him. And he's praying for us that we be one. That tells us this really, really matters. Peter has taught us in this short section of scripture how to have the unity that Jesus prayed we would have. Let's, let's commit to doing that. And probably again, I've been preaching to the choir, so to speak. We're all on board with this, aren't we? So let's leave encouraging others to also be on board with this. The spokes and the wheel, Christians in the family, the closer we are to the center, the closer we are to each other. And that's a good, good place to be. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you so much for giving us instruction in Peter that directs us in how to be united, how to be closer to you, closer to each other. Help us to be compassionate, be loving, be tenderhearted. Help us to be more courteous. Help us to be better to others than others are to us. Help us to be in control of the words we say. Help us to be turning from evil and be turning towards whatever and whoever's good. Help us to be seekers of peace. Help us to be unrelenting in our pursuit of those things that are pleasant, those things that are holy, those things that honor you. Help us, Father, to be one family bound together for the promised land. If we have sins that still need to be repented of, please help us to make necessary changes. If we need to request from those we've harmed forgiveness, ask them to, to pardon us, help us to have that conversation. If there are those that have hurt us, help us as much as possible to forgive, to live at peace with these people, to reach out and to be kind. Father, if we need to put on Jesus in baptism today, help us to make that glorious choice. We love you, Father. Thank you for loving us. In Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen. If we can help you in any way, would you come, please, while we stand and sing together?